Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to Futures Focus. This is a podcast brought to you by Prospects 1500. My name is Alex Sanchez and with me today, of course, David Gasper. And uh, Mr. Gasper, this is probably one of your most favorite days as well as perhaps one of your most hated days because today we are going over the NL Central Top 50 list, which means we get to go over your brewers, but we also have to go over all other of your four hated teams in that Central. So how do you feel about all that? I'm feeling good, you know. I'm feeling like uh, like this Brewer system is up there and can compete uh, with you know the systems of everyone else in the in the NL Central. And the Brewers already got the the big league team up on top, reigning National League Central champions, uh, by the way. So I'm I'm feeling good. This farm system is on the way up, and I know I've talked plenty about it uh, on here before. So I'm excited. Yeah, this will be the official go-around. I know we always sort of sprinkle in both of our systems. I, I do the Padres and the Braves, and uh, you seem to sprinkle in the Brewers wherever we find. Wherever I can. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but uh, we do have a great – I mean, this this Central has a lot of good prospects. I mean, I, I don't know. I haven't looked over all of them in a lot of detail, but it's got to be up there as one of the strongest systems division-wise in all of baseball. I mean, can you think of a better one? No, I mean, this this division has Hudson Head as a prospect in it now. So, I mean, we're definitely yeah. way up there. We are going to get to him. In fact, we're going to talk to Greg Rosenthal and Kevin Will of Prospects 1500, both of our correspondents. Greg is for the Pirates. Kevin is for the Cubs. They'll be joining us a little bit later, and I'm sure, David, that uh, you won't want to stick around for that. You'll probably take off because uh, nah. too many NL Central people in one room. Yeah, it's going to get ugly if we all stick around together. Yeah, so, um, well... As punishment, uh, let's go ahead and go over the Cardinals and Reds now, and then we'll hit the Brewers, and uh, then we'll bring those two on, and we'll finish off the NL Central. So, Cincinnati Reds. Um, I don't know, probably, uh, I don't know, the Cardinals might be weaker, I suppose. But what do you think about the Reds system in general, just uh, just overall? I mean, the Reds have, you know, some some pretty decent prospects. Hunter Green, obviously. Uh, at, at the top of their list, I mean Jose Barrero, uh, you know, should be a, a really good shortstop for them um, as long as he can kind of get the get the bat going. Um, but I mean he he still he still has some time and he still uh, can more show that uh, that bat as he kind of develops here. But I mean they got some some pretty decent prospects uh, over there. It's nothing you know too kind of terrifying in my opinion for for everyone else in the nl central um honestly if i knew the direction the reds front office was going and i think if the reds front office knew the direction they were going they might be a bit more uh scary to everyone else but i feel like for the past few years they've been like wishy-washy kind of back and forth on competing and going all the way in but not going all the way in but also trying to reload and rebuild and i don't know what they're doing over there yeah, that's a really good point. I think that perhaps them making the playoffs, and I put playoffs in quotations, in the COVID year, you know, it seemed like everybody was making the playoffs and uh, they didn't get a chance to sell off and and really invest in a rebuild. 
Um, and last year, obviously not nearly as successful. So, but still not selling off a lot of those guys. You know, Nick Castellanos is a free agent. Uh, they just, you know, kind of let him go. <laughs> Could have traded him, I suppose. I guess they were still, still sort of in it. Uh, but again, yeah, like you said, they're they're wishy-washy. They're in the middle. But let's talk about the actual prospects. And let's start with that tier one player, Hunter Green. Now, of course, being a pitching prospect, the good thing about Hunter Green is that he's already had that scary surgery and come back from it. So to be honest, that sort of raises him up a little bit in my book because you just knew that he was going to have um, – that the elbow surgery when you're throwing that hard. Um, but the fact that he's come back and he's looked even better than he ever had in professional ball before um, is pretty, pretty uh, encouraging. Uh, strikeouts are there. The the walks are a little bit on the higher side, but overall really good year for Hunter Green, especially because you're like, okay, this guy's been injured. He's been around for a while. And oh my gosh, he's still only 21 years old. So there's a, a bright future here with Hunter Green. Is he a number one uh, potential ace of your staff type of pitcher in your mind. Yeah, yeah, I, I think he is. I mean, and and especially in Cincinnati, I think he'd definitely be a tops in that staff over there. But I mean, he's got all the tools. Um, you know, I, I think he's he's shown you know kind of a lot of things there that young pitchers have. You know, with, with being raw, with uh, you know the command, as you mentioned there, with walks, and you know had a little bit of issues with home runs and AAA. Um, but I mean, that's stuff that I think is going to get ironed out over time. As you mentioned, just 21 years old, uh, but green has all the stuff to be a number one, um, and, and be a really good pitcher for, for a long time. Um, as long as he's able to stay healthy, um, and he had a healthy season this last year. So, I mean, things are looking up for him and, uh, he's one that I would guess would make his debut at some point this season. Yeah, I could see that. And, and, you know, he throws hard but honestly the potential that he has is worth uh it, it might be worth the cost it would take to acquire him in a dynasty league because if he reaches his full potential i don't think there's a better pitcher in the entire minor league baseball but i mean of course the percentage chance of him hitting that is is low i i will definitely uh, mention that but man i mean the stuff with the um <clears throat> the age and the fact that he's gotten that elbow all cleared up that's that's really encouraging stuff but uh yeah definitely a tier one player for me too if i um if i was ranking this list but there's a big gap after tier one and tier two and i know the guys that are in tier two and this is a list by adam wilson by the way our correspondent for the reds um jose barreo nick lodolo two guys i i sort of like but man there's a big gap between hunter green and these guys what do you think uh, about that gap or am i just sort of uh, maybe they're closer than, um, than I'm giving him credit for. Yeah, I mean, those guys, I mean, Barreo, I mean, he made his, his major league debut this past year. Um, and Nick Lodolo, he should be up fairly soon. Uh, he's he's close to just about ready. Um, those guys don't have, you know, near the ceilings that, that a guy like Hunter Green does. I mean, Lodolo could probably be a solid uh, mid-rotation, uh, you know, maybe number three starter uh, at the big league level. Barreo, I mean... We'll see what he is as a shortstop. I mean, defensively, like, yeah, he can handle shortstop, and that should be, like, and, and that's fine. That's great. That doesn't help you much for, for fantasy value, um, but that, that might take a little bit more time with him. But uh, the, the Reds need to, need to figure out shortstop, and they're really hoping that, that he's going to be able to be the guy. And, you know, he, even, even though he can be the guy defensively, you want to get something. 
offensively from that position. So if they can if they can get his bat going at, at the big league level, then uh, he should be fine. This goes back to what you're saying about the wishy-washy. I mean, they had Kyle Farmer at shortstop and gave him literally a full season worth of at-bats instead of – They put a Eugenio Suarez there. And then they tried for a, for the For a time – for a little too. time last yeah. year. A Eugenio Suarez. Yeah. So it's it, – I mean, there's a – it just gives you that pause when you're looking at him in dynasty. And like you said, he's going to be a, a probably a real life asset. Uh, I feel like he's a regular for sure, but uh, what is he going to do? He's going to give you you know, a 15 and 10 type of season at the shortstop with a, you know, a 260 ish batting average, uh, almost like you know, a Dansby Swanson or something like that, which is fine. They're, they're Those are useful in deep leagues, but he's not worth going out and, and giving a top 100 um, price tag on and, no. and like you said about Nick Lodolo let's go with a guy at number four here Austin Hendrick who I was really excited about when he got drafted um, but man you know uh, Matt McClain uh, well they all got drafted but I'm talking Austin Hendrick in uh, 2020 I was really excited with him yeah he's he's down at uh, at number 11 uh, there on this list and um, yeah he's down in tier three didn't really have the greatest uh, debut Austin Hendrick um, you know, really kind of some big strikeout issues. You know, I, I liked him coming out of the draft. Thought I was a pretty good hitter, but uh, he really struggled in his uh, initial adjustment to pro ball. Yeah, uh, I mean, can you think of a, a more disappointing? See, I mean, there's a few obviously, and, and there's actually a, a few just in this NL Central that had disappointing seasons. But man, I had really, really high hopes for Austin Hendrick and. Uh, he, what a, a big drop there. I, I mean, he was five. I'm sorry. He was five and then dropped down to 11. But a guy that uh, I think if, at this time last year, we would have been thinking, oh, we got a top uh, a tier one potential player here in Austin Hendrick. Um, but let's yeah. go to Matt, Matt McClain, too. Another interesting guy. Um, what did you think of him coming out of the draft in 2021? I loved him in the draft. Uh, I wa- I wanted the Brewers to take him. Um, and instead they went with, uh, Sal Freelich and, uh, you know, we'll see where he pops up on, on my list here shortly, but, um, yeah, McLean is, you know, you know, college shortstop, uh, he's someone that, you know, could move very quickly through the system. Um, you know, he, he can play kind of all over the infield. He could be at shortstop, could be at second, could play some third, uh, really kind of could go all over, uh, there, but he can stick it short. He, he can play there. Um, and you know, he's someone that as, you know, a, an advanced college player, uh, can move pretty quickly. And if Jose Barrero can't knock, can't lock down the shortstop job in the next year or two, McLean's coming up right behind him to, to come and take it. Or the guy right behind him, Ellie De La Cruz, who I'm so happy that Adam put here at, um, number right behind him at number six. Um, number, number five. five sorry, number five. Sorry. Um, Are you okay today? <laughs> sorry, I have both lists up. I'm going back and forth and comparing to how they've raised up. But uh, yeah, here is a guy that I don't think a, uh, there's a, a large percentage of people that might not have heard about this guy at all. Um, but to see him here at number five should definitely give you an idea because this guy uh, is probably available in in your leagues. I have him available in one or two of mine where I'm I'm thinking about picking him up and it depends on the type of your league, but man, what a, a nice season for this 19 year old. He hit 296 total with the eight home runs, 10 stolen bases, uh, sort of seemingly coming, you know, out of nowhere, but uh, definitely a hot topic 
or a hot prospect coming up here at number five. Jay Allen at number six rounds out tier number two. Um, let's go to, to tier number three. Anybody down here that you wanted to talk about? I have Reese Hines at number 10 that, again, a sort of disappointing year. But uh, let's start with you. Anybody that catches your eye here in tier three? Uh, Andrew Abbott is one. I liked him in the draft this year as well. College pitcher out of Virginia. Um, you know, he, he could be a, you know, if they move him to the bullpen, he could move up pretty, pretty quickly. I, I think he still might have a chance uh, to be a starter um, and a fairly decent one at that. But uh, if they want to get him up to the big leagues quickly, they can move him into that bullpen and then maybe try to switch him back to the rotation uh, a little bit later. And then going back to that Reese Hines, a guy who I thought had a lot of power. Uh, he did manage 12 home runs in uh, 54 games, which is impressive, especially as a 22-year-old. Um, uh, had a really good run there in, in rookie ball, but struggled in low A. But a guy that I think um, he was, you know, sort of an underrated uh, hype type of guy in 2019 and in 2020. And then, you know, he didn't explode like people were hoping for. Um, a great guy to sort of, hey, you know, I'll do this deal as long as you throw in Reese Hines to sort of even it out. Because I don't think anybody's too attached with him, but huge power there um, at, at third base. With a, And we often remember the Cincinnati Reds ballpark is really fantasy friendly, too, because uh, oh, yeah. it is tiny. It is tiny, which, you know, for the pitchers, you have to keep that in mind. as mean, well. uh, you mean Great American Small Park? Exactly. You know all too well about that, I can assume. Eric Kratz told me uh, that uh, that that nickname for that ballpark when, when I t- when I talked to him, yeah, he he called it the Great American Small Park. It's tiny. It, it, I mean, people, it looks like they're popping up to second base and they're just jogging around the bases. It's yeah. pretty crazy. Um, anyone else here with Cincinnati before we move on to uh, your favorite team, the St. Louis Cardinals? Nope, not really. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the Cardinals then. Uh, what are your uh, what are your honest opinions about the Cardinals? What do you what do you think about them? I hate them with every fiber of my being. No, um, I mean they always just somehow like they always got at least a couple of prospects, and you know they always got someone that's going to come up and come out of nowhere and just do really well for them. Like it, it just always happens. They always got either some pitcher or some white infielder that comes out of nowhere, like Tommy Edmond, who the hell is that guy? And then he just comes up and then just rakes. Yep. Their system has a lot of interesting players, um, if nothing but a, you know, a little, perhaps a lack of depth. Um, this list is really interesting. This is Chris on uh, Prospects 1500, of course, our correspondent. Um, I wish, you know, I tried to get him on. He just wasn't available to do this in time. We're, we're really trying to pump these out um, before the season starts. So um, if, you know, if we can get guys on, great. And if not, we're, that's why you've noticed we're sort of doing it on our own. But um, looking at his list here. Okay, so he's got Nolan Gorman at number one uh, and at tier one, the only player. After that, Lee Rattori at number two. And then Jordan Walker. At number three, who, if I'm being honest, I would have in tier one by himself. And then I would go Gorman and uh, I'd probably put Libertori a lot lower. But that's just me and pitchers. Mm. But I, I want to hear your thoughts on that. And if you agree or do you like how he has it organized? Well, I mean, I think something that I mean, I didn't talk to Chris, so I'm just kind of uh, guessing here and, and assuming. But I think the proximity to the majors 
is what really kind of pushed Gorman up over Walker. I mean, Gorman reached AAA. Uh, he dominated in AA and AAA this year, put up some really, really good numbers. Um, so, I mean, it, it kind of makes sense having him up there at the top of the system. Jordan Walker was always kind of a, a risky guy. You know, the, there's some high risk, high reward uh, with him and, and some really high potential, really high ceiling. Um, but there's also a chance that, you know, we, he, he has a he has a pretty low floor. And obviously 2021 went extremely well for Jordan Walker. He had a great season um, and he should be up high. Um, and I, I think you can make the argument for tier one. I, I understand why he didn't maybe wanting to see a little bit more from Walker and have a little bit more minor league stats under his belt before he puts him up into that category. I get it. Uh, so three, I think, is a, is a solid spot for him right now. Um, but when we get to uh, the midseason updates um, and we get another season and if Walker continues to hit like that, then I think that that's when he's going to put Walker up there into that tier one. So I understand being a little bit hesitant uh, for it now, wanting to see, wanting to get a little bit more out of him. Yeah. Well, here's my thing with Gorman, I think, and, and this is probably just getting too far down a rabbit hole with him, but he's got to play second, which is potentially a, a positive, I suppose. Because he's not playing third base anytime soon, and he's ready. Because Arenado, because how did they get him for nothing? Yes. Oh, this it it angers me all the time. Rocky, Sorry. what the what are you doing? I didn't mean demand to Dylan Carlson or something in return. Like Jesus. Uh, so yes, as you can see, uh, now you've got me going. He's on lockdown. He's on lockdown. Um, and and Nolan, uh, is just not going to be defensively. Uh, a stud you're putting them right second to get his bat in the lineup but then fantasy wise his bat is going to provide some power I think that's going to be the calling card for him but the average is going to be uh, I mean if he's hitting 279 right now uh, you know 250 260 in the pros he's not going to be stealing bases uh, the on-base percentage is quite low he doesn't walk as well as he probably should at this point so to me I don't know that if he's an all-star player he's not going to get in for his defensive work and there's a there's uh, it's a tough task to make second basis, especially if you're just kind of hitting 25 home runs and hitting 260. So maybe that's why I'm, I'm not quite as high on Gorman as others. But the proximity argument is uh, is a tough one to overcome because uh, I could see him just, you know, he's a rookie of the year candidate, I'd imagine, don't you think? Yeah, probably. Right. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I like to gamble. I think I would gamble on, you know, if we were doing a dynasty trade and, you know, I had a, a hot assets that somebody wanted and they had both Gorman and Walker I would just say let give me Walker you know if they were saying you can have either one of these two I would just take the gamble on Walker because the potential that you know what he might bring is just you know top 10 player in the league whereas I don't think Gorman's ever going to sniff anything like that and that's if everything goes right of course but uh, good debate there um Libra Toriet too let me get your thoughts on him I've never liked him <laughs> I don't know why I just think he's sort of boring um, and he's been around forever. What a, maybe you can give me a more lighthearted look on this guy. If Tampa Bay trades away a pitcher, what what are the odds of success there? Because <laughs> like every time they trade away a pitcher, they tend to suck, and every time they trade for a pitcher, they tend to just be super awesome. So if Tampa Bay traded him away, um, I'm not so entirely sure on his his prospects. Yeah, you're getting a four ERA, strikeout per inning, 
with a, you know, a little bit of a high uh, average walk rate. I just don't know. You know, if I was in it again, if I was looking at a, somebody's dynasty team, this would be the last guy I would ask for between goal, uh, Gorman and Walker. Just fantasy wise. It's just so you not, hate pitchers. So I, I do hate. I like Hunter Green, though. I mean, uh, that's the type of guy I, I would trade for. I'm not going to trade for a laboratory whose ceiling seems to be a number three. You know, I want the ceiling. I don't mind fantasy pitchers if the ceiling is complete stud, you know, but I, laboratory ceiling is not that like. He's an inning no. theater. So that's why I, w- I wouldn't trade for, for somebody like that. But, um, and then, you know, this is where I see, you know, the system's lack of depth sort of come into play. I mean, you got John Torres here, who is interesting. Mason wins, exciting, but really didn't have a huge year. And it looks like they're sort of abandoning the pitching. He only pitched one inning last year. I was sort of excited to see what he could do both ways. Um, freak athlete, like he does everything well on a baseball field. So, He'll be fun to follow. Um, but if he's at number five, uh, eh, get a little nervous. Um, anybody there in tier two, then maybe uh, gives a season, uh, this system a little bit higher ranking for you. Um, not real. Like no one's really kind of jumping out there to me. Which means I mean, that one of them is going to be an absolute all-star just randomly in five years, but. Oh yeah, probably yeah. somewhere down in the 30s. And uh, what do we got here? Uh, Whoever's 25. Trey Fletcher. Right Trey like Fletcher is just gonna come out of nowhere and just be a stud. It's got to be somebody who's old, and not they usually don't have old pitchers that come out, right? It's usually a hitter. Right? Yeah, hitter. it's 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 usually a hitter that comes out of nowhere. Lars Newtbar. He well, he had a good year last year. He yeah. actually wasn't bad. But oh, here I know, I know a guy. I know a guy. Number twenty-eight, Ryan Holgate. All right, I saw this dude in. Um, He's good. Yeah, I actually like Holgate. Yeah, I, I saw him in the Northwoods League. Uh, yeah. He was on the team that I was uh, broadcasting for that year, and uh, dude is insane. Uh, dude has the most raw power I have ever seen in my life. Our hitting coach gave him a comp of Prince Fielder. Um, in, in terms of, of raw power, uh, violent swing from the left-hand side, you know, big effort. But, I mean, he was cutting out on the strikeout rates, and he hit a couple of semis driving down the street past uh, right field that season. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I like Holgate. Yeah. Um, but you were taking that to be serious. Like, that's a legit – sleeper candidate i would like i like i have legit seen him for like yeah. 70 games no, like throughout that summer i like i was like there with him like with the team on the bus rides everything saw him take batting practice every day saw him in the field every day all of it yeah. and that dude is good yeah i'm looking at kramer robertson here you go 27 years old already he hit 239 last 231 last year with 11 home runs you know he's going to come up this year and hit like 45 home runs just that's your guy, just for yeah. no reason. That's the cardinal way. All right, it's time, David. Let's go over your list. I know uh, I put Final. you through some some hell going through your most uh, hated rivals, but uh, 2022 top 50 Brewers. I'm excited to actually talk to you about this. Um, I know uh, we've talked about a lot of these guys before, so uh, we'll try to maybe highlight some other guys that we haven't mentioned as much. But uh, three players in tier one. Um, how exciting is that for you? Oh, it's, it's so exciting. I mean, 
some some may be like, eh, maybe that's a little much. But honestly, like I, I think all three of these guys are are deserving of it. I mean, this system has come a long way um, in the last couple of years. You know, they, they had a lot of really young guys, um, especially like like when I first started uh, at Prospects 1500. I mean, that a lot of the guys were just down in the low levels of the minors. And it's like we haven't really seen them. You know, you know, coming off 2020, we hadn't really seen anyone play. Um, and like now everyone's, you know, we've gotten to play, uh, we've gotten promotions, guys moving up and, and we've, we're seeing these guys perform and, and they're actually doing it and they're having good seasons. So, uh, it's pushed a lot of these guys up into, into tier one status. And this system is, is really good. So what's up with, uh, Hedbert and stolen bases? I thought this was a guy that might chip in 15 to 20 stolen bases, but uh, he didn't run at all this last year. Is there a reason for that, or is he slowing down? I, I don't know if there's necessarily a reason. Um, you know, it might have just been, you know, situationally, there weren't many opportunities uh, for him to go, or, or they were kind of dealing with other things. I mean, he spent most of the season in the uh, Arizona Rookie League, um, got a promotion at the end of the season uh, to Carolina, um, and that was only over the final, like, two weeks. So, you know, not you know, too much time over there. Um, but I mean, the speed is still there. I mean, he's not slowing down uh, by any means. I mean, he's just 18 years old. I mean, it's, it's a little young to start losing your speed. Well, I thought um, he might be, you know, bulking up to, to get some power and stuff like that. And, you know, causing some slowdown that, that could yeah. happen. At, at a young I mean, age. it could, but as far as I know, his speed is still there. Um, but I, I haven't, um, I, I haven't seen anything about him losing his speed. I'm just so curious why he wasn't stealing. I mean, the, these, especially down in, you know, those instructional leagues and rookie ball, like people run wild. It's easy. And he wasn't even like really trying. It's just really perplexing. I mean, maybe it was just because he had so many extra bases, you know, and, and so many guys in front of him maybe just, you know, didn't have a, uh, the, the free base in front of him to run. Perhaps I, uh, as a Blade <laughs> fan, I saw Aaron Ashby um, and was very impressed with him in the the playoffs. Uh, felt mm-hmm. like the lefties that were facing him looked uncomfortable at 23 years old. Um, he's ready. He's clearly, I mean, he's beginning the year. I'm assuming on the mm-hmm. main squad. Uh, but what what is his gonna what's gonna be his not necessarily where he starts, although that's important. But where is his role gonna be for the majority of the year? Do you think? Uh, I think they're, they're going to be pushing him into the rotation. Um, the Brewers have stated all along, you know, when they brought him up and they put him in the bullpen last year, they said, you know, long term, he's a starter. Like, we still see him as a starter. We're bringing him up here because he's a really good arm and we want to get him on this big league staff to help out the team. Um, so he's going to be a starter going forward. And I believe that's going to be the role for him uh, this year. Um, the, I mean, the thing is finding room for him. And that rotation, I mean, you got a pretty full rotation with uh, Corbin Burns, Cy Young winner, leading the way, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, uh, and then you got two very good and capable arms in Adrian Hauser and Eric Lauer to fill out that group. Now, could they trade one of them once this lockout ends? Sure. Um, you know, could Ashby beat one of them out for the rotation? Also possible, but uh, his long-term role is as a starter, um, and, and that's where he's going to be uh, this season. And, of course, Garrett Mitchell is the other guy. I think we've talked about Garrett Mitchell a, a lot. I don't think a lot's changed with him. If you don't have him around a top 100 prospect at this 
point uh, minimum, <laughs> you're you're missing out. Um, I'm I'm very high on him. He seems like a if that power comes, I mean, that's a, it's a fantasy. It's potentially a guy that's better in fantasy than even in real life. But um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I disagree. I think um, all three of these guys are legitimate tier one players. Um, I just, I just, I want to see Hedbert steal some bases. That's it. <laughs> Tell him, go ahead and text him that. Uh, all right. Down in tier <laughs> two, let's go over some guys. Um uh, I see Bryce Terang at number five still. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I look again below and just see a lot of potential uh, studs that, you know, have a lot more questions. But uh, clearly Terang's uh, proximity to the majors, his you know, prolonged success is encouraging for you to put him at number five. Yeah, and, and Terang's a guy, I mean, he actually kind of fell a little bit. I mean, he was kind of, you know, top three before. But, I mean, for him... He did really well last year. I mean, he did well in double A. He earned a promotion to triple A as a 21-year-old, um, and he did well there. I mean, he he took his walks. He didn't strike out much. Um, he you know he didn't have the greatest overall numbers when it comes to batting average and home runs and things like that. But um, his plate discipline was really strong in triple A as a 21-year-old, which was great to see. I mean, the only thing really for for Terang is that he's blocked. At the big league level, Willie Adamas is now in Milwaukee and he's in there for uh, the foreseeable future. Uh, so by the time Terang's ready, Adamas is still going to be there. Um, and and Terang can handle shortstop just fine defensively. Like, like he can play there. Um, but with Adamas there in Milwaukee, then, OK, what about second base? He got Colton Wong under contract for at least this year, and probably also next year. Third base, you got Luis Arias, and I, I don't know if Terang has the uh, throwing arm for third base. He might, uh, but I haven't seen much talk of him moving over there. Um, so really, it it becomes a matter of finding a home for Terang. So, you know, I think it could be a, a like a trade chip in real life. I mean, fantasy. I mean, that it's still a guy to to have, but you know, it's just a matter of finding room for him on on this roster. One guy that everybody seems to love is uh, not on your team right now, but Dustin Harris, who is a pop-up prospect uh, of one of the the best in the last couple of years to sort of have a monster year and jump into top 30, top 40 for some publications I've seen around. A guy that had an even better season than Mr. Harris and uh, who has actual speed, whereas I think Harris was taking advantage of lower competition is Joey Weimer. I mean, the season that this guy had, I mean, it was one of the best in terms of a fantasy profile of anybody in the minor leagues. Uh, 22 years old. Of course, it was high A and low A, but um, if so, I don't understand why people aren't putting him up with Dustin Harris. What's what are we what are people missing? So I don't think it's necessarily missing anything with Joey Weimer. And I, I was able to talk to him uh, last week on, on my Brewers podcast that I do. Uh, great guy, by the way. Um, and Weimer is someone who, uh, you know, coming out of college, uh, he had a very wonky swing, huge leg kick, a uh, lot of movement. And, you know, getting into pro ball, he changed that, went from a leg, from, went from a leg kick to a toe tap. Um, and, and that's really helped. He got lower in his stance, and now all of a sudden he's been tapping into his power. Um, and over the final two months, he had probably the best stretch of anyone in all of professional baseball. I mean, it, it was a phenomenal finish to the season. And, I mean, he keeps it all together. He's probably a five-tool st- five player. 
Um, I, I think for me, it's just a matter of seeing more out of him than just a, a hot two-month stretch and making sure that he can continue that over, over this next season. Um, so it, it just, because it happened so late in the year, uh, I think that's why everyone's, you know, kind of a bit slow to to pick up on his success. But, I mean, he jumped up to number seven for me. Um, and if he keeps hitting like this, if he keeps hitting like he did towards the end of last season, um, he's going to be jumping up into tier one status at, by midseason, clearly. I mean, it's it was phenomenal. I, I just want to see him continue to do it and do it at a higher level as well. I mean, he might start it at high A again. He might start in double A. We'll see. But if he can do this against double-A pitching as well, then it becomes very, very real. Yeah. I mean, it's you look at his college numbers, and they were just, like, not even close to what he was doing now. So that's, that's Yeah, he had such like, a huge leg kick. Crazy. We'll see if double-A pitchers can exploit it. So perhaps that is maybe why, you know, Dustin Harris uh, a little bit – you know, perhaps a tad safer because he has a, a little bit better of a history. But man, if you wait too long with Weimer, you're going to miss out. And uh, I mean, it's probably too late now. But oh yeah, uh, it's definitely too late now. Yeah, but still, number seven on your list. Uh, you know, not not a pretty damn good number seven prospect, to be honest. Um, moving on here to tier three. Why don't you lead in here in tier three and tell me about uh, one or two guys that we should know about in this uh, this range? All right, well, there, there are a couple guys in here um, that, that I really like. I mean, Eduardo Garcia, uh, 2019 international signee, same class as uh, – actually, no, he was 2018 uh, international signee. Uh, but, I mean, he's a guy that, uh, you know, he made it to low A by the end of the season. He had a really hot start there uh, in, in the final 10 games of the year. A really good bat to ball skills, uh, you know, above average hitter, a lot of raw power in there as well uh, as a shortstop. And he and he can stick there defensively as well. Freddie Zamora, another shortstop, uh, number 11. Uh, he had 300 this year. Uh, you know, he was the guy selected out of Miami uh, that the Brewers really like. Showed some power, showed some extra base hit ability, 10 stolen bases as well. Uh, not as much power as Garcia or Terang. Um, but also can stick at shortstop. Uh, Mario Feliciano could be the catcher of the future in Milwaukee, depending on what happens with Omar Narvaez, but he's a really solid hitter, a lot of, lot of power with him. Uh, but the one guy I, I think everyone, sh- I, the one guy I think everyone should be looking at here in tier three, Hendry Mendez. He may or may not still be available in your league, but he's a guy that you definitely should pick up or, or try to get because his stock is continuing to go up. I mean, he was just signed as, as an international free agent in last year's class, in, in the 2021 class, and he earned a stateside promotion pretty much right away. I mean, he he, d- he did well in the DSL and got promoted to Arizona and did even better in rookie-level Arizona. So um, he struck out just 12 times all season. He had more extra base hits than he had strikeouts in the season. Um, so he's a guy definitely to, uh, to keep an eye on. He can be on a potential fast track here. I mean, the Brewers seem to be fast tracking him a little bit. Um, you know, could be a a left fielder going forward. Doesn't have the greatest arm strength, but kid can rake. It's a fascinating system. A lot of well-rounded players, especially, um, you know, fantasy wise, where they're, and a lot of up the middle guys. 
though, you know, I love those. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah, it's just, it's like you said, I mean, we've beat this a lot, but uh, what a, a jump. I think that we're going to go over the Cubs here in a second as well. The Cubs system has jumped up quite a bit in the last year, but the Brewers as well, both systems have just showed incredible progress and not so much with the Brewers and inquiring guys, but developing them. That's where the big difference is. The Cubs acquired these guys, whereas the Brewers seemingly drafted all of them and have made them who they are in their system. So something's yeah. going the the draft, the, the the international market. I mean, they they've got a lot of uh, international guys in here. Uh, Jackson Churio, another guy at 17. Uh, he was another uh, big signee from last year's J2 class. Um, you know, Felix Valerio, they got in a trade. He had a really strong season, uh, this year. His stock is, has been rising. Um, you know, they, they got some guys that come out of nowhere too, like Jake Cousins, uh, you know, it was a huge piece for the Brewers bullpen. And like, even down in tier four, I mean, they got some really, uh, interesting guys, Jeremy Vargas, international signee, uh, Abner Uribe, international guy, Logan Henderson, fourth round pick this last year. Um, Victor Castaneda, international guy, Miguel Sanchez, international guy, Ernesto Martinez. I love Ernesto. He's a first baseman. He's six foot six and he stole 30 bases last year. Um, he's Andy he hit like 275, like 280, like something like that. He had a really strong season. Steven Cruz at number 33 is another guy. I think people should keep an eye on and maybe pick up if, if you got a deep, uh, minor leagues, uh, with your dynasty team. He's a really good pitcher. I mean, he had a really strong season uh, in the Dominican Summer League. He's 20 years old, but, I mean, he's got some some really good stuff. Uh, you know, pitchers, especially coming out of the DSL, I mean, those are very long odds. Uh, but Cruz really has the stuff to succeed and really should be someone to keep an eye on. Okay, if Ernesto is six foot six and stealing 30 bases, Hedbert's got to up his game up in 2022. Let's go. <laughs> All right, David. Awesome stuff. Um, we're going to go ahead and take a break right now and bring on Kevin and Greg. And uh, I guess this is probably where you're going to take off, huh, David? Yep. Yep. I got to I got to get going. <laughs> you can't handle the, the more than two teams of the NL Central that aren't the Brewers. So and that was difficult enough. It was. I, I don't don't doubt that. All right. We'll be right back uh, to talk to Greg and Kevin with the Cubs and Pirates. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And we're back. Futures focus here. We have more NL Central to go over now. Unfortunately, uh, David could could not take any more of it, um, especially with uh, the Pirates. Uh, he just he just can't stand those Pirates. If you <laughs> listen to last week's episode, he gave the Pirates a new one. So David's gone, but in his place, we have a two for one. We have Kevin Will of the Chicago Cubs and 
Greg Rosenthal of the Pittsburgh Pirates. So, uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for coming on board. Kevin, how are you doing tonight? I'm fantastic, Alex. I've been waiting my entire life to hear that description, that sentence actually being said. Kevin Will of the Chicago Cubs. It's like I played center field or something. Yeah, I mean, maybe you're going to be on this list soon enough. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and Greg, uh, I, I was going to do the Ken Rosenthal joke, but I'm sure you've got that to death. But I'll just start with, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, and I've heard that joke before. Unfortunately, maybe. no relation. And uh, it's great to be here. Happy to be on the show, but I can't abide any pirate slander, so it's probably best that David's gone. Yeah, I mean, for the sake of everybody's safety, I think it's probably for the best. Um, as you know, this can head into a Brewers direction, even if we're talking about the AL West. Um, he'll find a way to get those uh, quips in about Hedbert Perez or Christian Yelich or something. Okay, but we certainly wouldn't want that. And you guys wouldn't want that. No, and I'm just a friendly, you know, neutral guy. So uh, I'll, I'll stay with you guys. But uh, we do have an exciting two teams to go over with here. Um, I want to start with the Pirates. Um, and again, as the Padres correspondent, there are a lot of former Padres because we decided we wanted to trade every decent prospect we had for, you know, I guess they weren't terrible players. I mean, Joe Musgrove wasn't bad and um, whoever we got from the Cubs. But uh, it was... Dang. Uh, <laughs> I honestly, wow. I'm saying that because I honestly like mentally blocked out. Who did, who did they get from the Cubs? You can't remember you Darvish? You Darvish. Okay. Yeah. It was just a mental block <laughs> I had in my head. So yes. Okay. So, um, unless we forget Jake Marisnik later on in the year, but yeah, exactly. So the, the, pro, the, the prospects, I'm, I'm very interested to see what a second person thinks of these guys as I was very, very high on a certain name that, if you're a fan of the podcast, you know who it is. And if you're not a fan of the podcast, stay tuned. You'll see who I have a crush on. Anyway, Pirates. All right, Greg. Yes. Convince me one way or the other, because right now I'm looking at the four players that you have in Tier 1. And again, Tier 1 for Prospects 1500 is all-star level for multiple years. I look at your four. And on a certain day, I would say, yeah, absolutely. Those are four tier one players. And if I'm in a bad mood, I could look at those four players and I could say, you know what? None of them are tier one players. So which one is crazier? There are four or that there should not be four? What do you think, Greg? I think you're crazy if, if you think none of those four uh, aren't potential all-stars uh, on mul in multiple years. I think that's what the uh, criteria is. I think O'Neill Cruz has such a unique skill set, uh, the ability to hit 40 home runs, play shortstop and steal bases. I think if he hits his ceiling or even close to it, he's he's a multi-year all-star. Nick Gonzalez does nothing but hit. Henry Davis is the number one pick in the draft for a reason. And uh, Quinn Priester is the one I've gotten the most pushback on, but he was the pitcher of the year in high A in Greensboro in a hitter's park. He, he moves on to double A this year in Altoona. And uh, this will be the year where he takes that big step forward. And if he does, as I think he will take that big step forward, I see all-stars in his future too. You know, what's crazy is I would pick Quinn Priester as the, the first person on this list as the one that I could see making multiple all-star teams. So I'm, I'm very interested that you're getting pushback. Um, 
prospect fatigue with him and just been around for a little while and he hasn't really like just dominated like a Grayson Rodriguez type and so we're just kind of sleeping on him you think well I think the thing is he was a high school pitcher and out of the draft in 2019 he didn't have a year in 2020 because nobody did and you know your your first full year uh pitching at in the in in pro ball in 2021 you can only do so much to raise your profile you know so I think this is a big year for him, double A as a 21-year-old, and I I see big things. Now, Greg, you said Henry Davis was the first overall pick for a reason, but wasn't that reason money? Did he deserve to be of, the number one overall pick? I think one of the reasons certainly was money, but I don't believe the Pirates really compromised too much in the way of talent. I think he was well within the top four or five guys and they picked him for a couple of reasons. Yes, money so that they could spread it around and and draft Lonnie White and Bubba Chandler and Anthony Solomito, which are all on my list. But also because he's a, a probably the best college hitter coming out of the draft last year, plays catcher, has a great arm, has great leadership uh, abilities. I think he was the total package. And the fact that they got him for a, a, a smaller bonus was just that, a bonus. Yeah. I think you are convincing me a little bit now. If you said, okay, you have to take one guy off. I don't know which one of these four that I'd want to push down to to tier two. I mean, I want to say O'Neal Cruz just because I was not a huge fan, but the things that he was doing towards the end of the season, I mean, it's hard to argue with. Um, Just we haven't seen a lot of six foot seven shortstops. Um, You know what? I'm interested in Kevin uh, because... You have, uh, you know, a very anti-Pirates mindset, I'd imagine. Just a wild guess. So when you take a look at his tier one of those Cruz, Gonzalez, Davis, and Priest, do you think they're all tier one players too? Or do you think that you would bump down a name or two? Uh, You know, I had a hard time uh, even putting one Cub prospect in tier one. Uh, It's a pretty lofty description uh, that prospects 1500 has you know players with high expectations of both making the majors and playing at a whole all-star level for a number of years um it was also sort of described that if you're a top 30 prospect in the in the major leagues that you you know have basically qualified for tier one uh not necessarily all of them but you know you can safely say that, yeah, you're tier one if you're a top 30 prospect. So Brennan Davis is, you know, probably listed around 15 to 20 in in most prospect lists overall. So I decided to put him there, though. It was a a back and forth for myself uh, determining whether I would or not. So four seems lofty to me. If I were going to remove someone, it would be Nick Gonzalez purely on the fact that He's limited uh, probably to second base. And if I'm going to go into a, uh, a tier one type of situation, uh, I, you know, shortstop catcher, uh, a, a very strong starting pitcher uh, prospect. Those would be the guys that I, I would put there. I think you can get docked a little bit for uh, being a, just limited to second base or a corner outfield or something like that from being a top 30 prospect. I feel like we have the, the Cubs 
hatred uh, the cu- hatred for the pirates coming out now too like these guys aren't going to be all-stars you don't have to worry about that no no, <laughs> no. very high on o'neill cruz what you're saying about nick gonzalez though i think makes a lot of sense and then greg we'll, we'll move on to the next tier um and I, I actually had another thought as well i wanted to maybe ask you but with nick gonzalez i i wonder about i mean to me he's about a sure thing of a big leaguer as i've seen in a, a young prospect but is he what is he going to do that makes him an all-star do you think greg i think i think you can expect a 300 batting average consistently he's a hitter uh i think you'll you'll probably get more power out of him than you'd expect although you know you kind of wish that the pirates had uh the friendly confines at wrigley field uh to to have him sort of realize more power than he might otherwise in a bigger park in, in PNC, but uh, he'll get a, he'll give you some steals. And I think he's probably a better second base uh, defender than, than most give him credit for. He was a shortstop in college. Uh, his arm probably limits him to, to second, but he isn't, he, he isn't a butcher out there. He knows what he's doing. He, he plays a solid, plays a solid uh, up the middle position. So I think there's value there too. Yeah. I mean, 18 home runs is, is no joke for uh really his first full season and it wasn't and even a full season he missed what, he missed five weeks due to a hand injury right yeah um so that that is it's rather impressive so there is this will be very fascinating to see because uh you you put a lot i think what kevin is trying to get at is you put a lot of stake into the naming these tier one players at our site because you know when if they don't make it and that's your name so you're putting your name on these guys uh i do admire that and uh, i'm interested to see because if these all four work out then all of a sudden the the pirates are going to be deadly (laughs) so um the the thing i wanted to mention was when i look at tier one and then i look at tier two the gap that gaps maybe what's bolstering the value of some of these guys um because to me there's a big gap between tier one and tier two um is that am i overstating that a little bit or is, is that something that's pretty accurate what, as far as the Pirates list is concerned? Sure. Yeah, yeah. So from from your four to your five, Priester and Piguero, um, I, I see a big gap. But tell me I'm wrong. Well, I, I'm I'm a, a fan of Piguero. He's made it to high A as a 20-year-old, 14 homers, 28 steals, and as leadoff hitter, probably the youngest, one of the youngest guys in the league. I, I see real promise there, but it would probably be real premature for me to to anticipate you know, all-star level performance from a guy who's that young and that far away. Now, of course, if he goes to Altoona and, and blows up, then maybe he's in tier one next season. And as a Pirate fan, that's all we can really hope for. So who's here in in tier in tier two that uh, gets you excited? Because I'm looking at some of these names, and to be honest, I'm, I'm getting more excited at some of the guys lower, like uh, Travis Swaggerty, of course, my guy, Hudson Head, um, Cannon Smith. So, like, these are the guys I'm really excited about. So, um, clearly, you have, you know, uh, Bubba Chandler, Edney Rodriguez, Solimento above these guys. So, you must see something quite a bit because uh, th- these are pretty valuable prospects you have here in the in the teens for your list. Yeah, the, the two guys in Tier 2 that I'm the most excited for are Andy Rodriguez at number 7 and Anthony Solimento at number 9. Um, as far as Andy Rodriguez is concerned, Living down here in South Florida, I've been able to to get over to Bradenton on the West Coast 
and see the Marauders play. That's the Pirates' low-A team, and Andy Rodriguez was the league MVP and the leader of that team um, in every way. And he's, to me, he's shown himself to be a, 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 a top prospect on the rise. Um, I put him in Tier 2. I don't think I'm the only one. I've seen other lists that have really, you know, raised his profile, at Baseball America being one of them. He's he's a guy who uh, switch hitting catcher, uh, 15 homers, had a slash of 294, 380, 512. He did everything. He can actually play first in the outfield as well. Uh, so I see, you know, moving on to Greensboro High A, he's got a chance at a hitter's park to really, you know, put up some big stats and and maybe, you know, who knows, top 100 isn't that far out of reach uh, for him you know, at the end of this season. And as far as Anthony Solomito, the Pirates haven't had a, a top lefty uh, in what seems like my adult life. And I'm not a young guy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, I'm thinking way back to Burt Blylevin and John Candelaria, you know, in the 70s. They've had some other lefties over the years who have been decent. But this guy, who was a, a, a second round pick from this past draft, he has the chance to probably be the best left-hander they've had in a very long time. So, one of the benefits of getting over to Bradenton this summer, we'll be able to see him uh, lead the Marauders staff. No Pat Mahomes love, huh? No Pat Mahomes love. Wait, no, he was the he was a righty. Never mind, I take the back. Right, I thought he was a lefty. I think I think you might be talking about Paul, Paul Mahalam. Mahalam, that's who it was. Yes, yes, Mahalam. Yes, and no, no love, no love. No love. <laughs> um, uh, is Rodriguez going to stay at catcher? Because if he's going to stay at catcher, I'm. Uh, a little bit more interested in this guy. Um, at the start of the year, I would have I would have bet against it, but he improved as the year went on defensively, and that's also something that's that's very telling and and, and gives you uh, you know cause for optimism. I think uh, as he climbs the ladder, he's only probably a year behind Henry Davis, so one of them is probably going to end up catching, and one of them is probably going to have to move off the position if they're both going to you know reach their their top end in Pittsburgh. And in all likelihood, there'll be a DH by that time. So one may catch, one may be the DH, and maybe they share the job. Yeah, I'm interested because obviously you're going to put Davis behind the plate. If you, I mean, if right now, if you had to choose, and then that you have, you know, guys like Mason Martin, who almost assuredly is the perfect DH for you um, coming up. Uh, you're going to run out of spot for a lot of these guys. It yeah, well, like, it's, but, it's not a sure thing that Mason Martin even makes it. He wasn't. He was uh, our, he was Rule Five eligible this year, and uh, he didn't get a 40-man spot. So that sort of calls into question whether or not uh, the Pirates front office, Ben Charrington, think he's the answer, or thinks he even has a shot. So that's sort of the jury's out on him. Jury's out, yeah. <clears throat> it seems like that actually is sort of the theme here with some of these other guys, because Swaggerty at 24 is getting up there in age. Matthew Frazier, who I like a lot. 23 you have them at 14 um marcano another one 22 like these are these guys are, are almost in a prove it year so uh, of those names i just mentioned those little older i mean of course we're not talking old by any means but older prospects uh who do you see that maybe is going to break out and uh and and beat that um prospect fatigue factor well i'm less concerned about the age of a prospect in these times, because we had that that COVID year where everybody lost a year. So it's it's sort of hard to play that age appropriate to level game right now. But to answer your question, I think Swaggerty is it's a big year for him. He missed 
uh, the COVID year, and then he got injured early last year with a shoulder injury and missed basically 90% of the season. Uh, they gave him a big push to AAA to start last year, and I think that um, if he shows something in, in the spring and shows something in his first month or two in, in AAA, I think you'll see him in Pittsburgh this summer, uh, and that's probably the best possible outcome for the Pirates and for Swaggerty. Yeah, I like him a lot. Now, before we move on, um, I do want to get Kevin on here. Uh, I don't want him to uh, fall asleep over there and, and talk about some Cubs prospects. And, and then hopefully we'll have some time left over to, to hit some of those sleepers. But we got to talk about my guy, Hudson Head. All right. I was absolutely devastated when the Padres traded him away. Um, for me, what I saw was just a five-tool caliber player um, who needed to fill out. And the, the one thing I was worried about was power because he I mean you look at him and he's a skinny little thing at coming out of high school um and this was his first real full year um and the power was there already uh, and so uh, nothing else really <laughs> but um the power was there and uh for me if if that's there and everything kind of falls into place is how I thought as a 20 year old um I'm, I'm still extremely excited about Hudson Head but um I want to get somebody else's opinion that is not mine because I might be a little blinded when it comes to this guy. I might be too. <laughs> I saw Hudson Head play a bunch of times this summer, this past summer. Uh, he was impressive. He could play any outfield position. He looked comfortable uh, anywhere out there. I think probably center field's his best position, if I were to guess. Um, he he takes a walk. He's got big power for a guy as as slight as he is, uh, but. You know, you, you've sort of put your finger on it. Is he going to add good weight? Is he going to, you know, put on his man muscles, as they say? Is he going to be, uh, is he going to fill out into, you know, uh, you know what, what you perceive a, a major league uh, first player to look like? Because right now, you know, he still looks like a, a kid and he needs to, he needs to add some good weight uh, and use that to, to, to develop and maybe get a better eye at the plate as well. He, he, he strikes out way too much, 31% last year. So, you know, those are the two things he needs to work on. Swing at better pitches, lay off the bad ones, and put on some good weight. Yeah, He grew out his hair, too, to, to look older. I saw that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's that's why he did it. Yeah. You, you um, do have a crush, don't you? I love him so much. Yeah. He, I, hey, who was the only one to put him in the top 100 in their list? Boom. Did any of you guys? Nope. No. Did the Pirates guy do it? Nope. Nope, the Pirates guy didn't. I'm still, <laughs> probably for good reason. I'm still, I mean, I'm going down with the ship at this point. I don't care. I don't care. Um, awesome. All right, Greg. I, I think Kevin's, I, I hear him fuming over there. He he just, he can't stand this. He can't stand this. <laughs> Too uh, much fire talk. Him, let's give him some some chances. And uh, of course, I want to get some of your thoughts too, Greg, on uh, uh you know, a non-biased look because uh, you're both fans, right, of your team, if I'm correct? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. So uh, it'll be nice to, you know, kind of make sure that we're not uh, getting too off the deep end here. But uh, excellent job, Greg. Uh, Kevin, let's talk about the state of the Chicago Cubs. Again, this is something that I alluded to earlier in that this system is criminally underrated right now. I think that there are loads and loads of players from the top to the middle to the bottom of this organization that you could get. And the Cubs are in great shape. 
you look at their major league roster and the fact that, you know, they're selling Baez off and Brian and all the guys that everybody knows. Uh, those guys suck now. Let's just be honest. They're no good. <laughs> and the prospects that they got in return are uh, are studs. The, I just don't understand <laughs> what the Mets were doing. Um, and, and let's just start there. I mean, we'll go up to Brennan Davis here in a second, but I think that's a good segue to uh, PCA. How, how did you convince the Mets to give PCA for a half year of Javier Baez? Uh, lots of uh, bourbon. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I don't know. I think maybe the, the Mets were a little distracted by all of the uh, hijinks being being done by their front office. Uh, maybe, maybe they were already hyped up on the bourbon. We don't know. It was a pretty crazy situation over there with the, uh, with the Mets ownership and their front office. I, I, I don't get it, but, uh, I mean, let's, let's not, uh, undersell hobby. He, uh, he has his drawbacks for sure, but he's a very exciting player. They were trying to make a push with Cohen, uh, wanted to make a splash in his first year uh, as as owner, and uh, uh, Crow Armstrong was uh, had had a huge uh, shoulder injury, which he's still rehabbing from. Uh, no guarantees that he's going to come back at the similar level that he was before after having to sit out 2020 and then only playing six games last year. So. Uh, yeah, they, they gave up a, a high ceiling prospect that, uh, because of the injury primarily, he's got a little bit of a lower floor now. Uh, and they got a, a, a very exciting shortstop for half, half a season, a little bit less than half a season, which uh, didn't pan out at all. Come on now. They also got Trevor Williams, a former pirate player. Oh, that's right. Trevor. That's, that's true. That's true. And Trevor was a fan favorite, uh, cause he grew up a Cubs fan, but, uh, we uh, we f- have forgotten about him already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't remember a trade like that in the recent years. I know these happened, you know, 10, 15 years ago where uh, a high end prospect got dealt for a, a half year of somebody. But I mean, these don't happen anymore. And I know you have Pete at number nine. But honestly, I think that's more that the guys you had ahead of them, like they're really, really good. I don't think that. PCA is a normal number nine prospect in a in a ranking. So um, it's just it's just crazy that, you know, a half season. I don't care who it was almost a half season of trout. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if that's worth PCA yeah. or the level of that. But uh, let's head back up to tier one. Uh, you have the one player in tier one and a guy that in Brennan Davis, of course, I think um, most people could probably have guessed that uh, a guy that, you know, I wasn't I was late to the party on for sure. Um, Acquired him in a trade in a dynasty league, looked at him, never, never, you know, was it each week I would follow in, check in, wasn't blown away. And then at the end of the year, I'm like, oh, my gosh, like this guy had a fantastic season. He got promoted. He's super young. He had his moment in the sun in the um, the futures game. And now you said 15 to 20 earlier. I, I can't find him much lower than 10 on lists. So this is uh, this is a guy that. Uh, well, let me get your thoughts. Brennan Davis. Uh, I think the most impressive part about Davis is his ability to learn and make adjustments. Uh, in the 30 plus years that I've been following Cubs prospects, I have not seen a player uh, develop faster, uh, learn how to make in-game adjustments quicker. Uh, he took to baseball 
which he didn't play uh, full out in high school. He was uh, a basketball star first. You you may know he's re- uh, related to Reggie Theus. Uh, so he was a, uh, a, a basketball star first in high school. And then later, I think in junior year, uh, started to get more into baseball. And then I think senior year, he dedicated himself fully to that. So he was very raw when he uh, was drafted in the second round by the Cubs. And he was seen as a project, but no one has advanced quicker in my 30 plus years of, of following the Cubs prospects than Brennan Davis has. And, and, and that is what bodes uh, so well for his future. Uh, yes, he's athletic. Yes, he, uh, you know, can, he's got power to all fields, uh, but is he going to continue to get better? The dude just turned 22. He's on the cusp of the major leagues. Will he continue to improve at this rate? If so, uh, then uh, <laughs> he'll be an all-star and then some. What do you say to somebody that might look at their stat line and say, okay, I, I see what you're saying. A 21-year-old making you know, three-level jumps is very good for the future success in the major leagues. But in terms of a dynasty and a fantasy outlook, what is this guy going to provide when it comes to the categories? Because you're looking at a 260 batting average. You're looking at uh, eight total stolen bases. You're looking at 19 home runs. Uh, fantasy-wise, is uh, maybe uh, somebody we are we should hold the brakes on, or do you think all that stuff's coming down the line? Boy, uh, that's a tough question to answer. My sense is that Brennan's going to be a better major league player than he will be a fantasy player. He's one of those guys who, um, you know, does a lot of things very well. So he's going to be very solid defensively. He can stay at center field for. Uh, the foreseeable future, the next three years or so, has more than enough arm to play right. So defensively, he's going to give you, which then you know that doesn't show up in your in your categories. Uh, and there are questions about his ability to hit for average. Uh, there should not be questions about his power. Um, I think he has uh, the type of approach at the plate as well as swing, where he can pull his hands in. And he can pull a ball on the uh, inside part of the plate, and he's just going to go with it. He he has tremendous oppo power as well. So I think the power will play for you. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a big base dealer, though he has, you know, 50 speed on, on the 20 to 80 scale. So it's going to be solid speed throughout. Uh, he's going to be a, a very, very good major league player. But I don't know if he's going to be an across-the-board numbers eye-popping type guy. Yeah. Well said. All right. At this time last year, the guys that we're going to go over next were not on the Cubs, <laughs> which is incredible to say. And I think a pretty rare occurrence. Um, Christian Hernandez signed in the international free agent market. Ke- uh, Kevin Alcantara comes over in the Rizzo trade. Owen Casey comes over in the Padres trade. Uh, you drafted Triantos. You traded for Preciado. Um of those, and then, uh, yeah, so those those two through six, all new guys, um, give me the guy that has impressed you most making their debut as a Cub uh, since the last year started. Well, he's the guy uh, that you didn't mention the, at, at number seven. Caleb Killian came over in the Chris Bryant trade. Uh, 
You're right. Yes, I, I can't even get the list down low enough. <laughs> right. It, it's very long. It's a long list. And the, this Cubs, uh, you know, minor league ranking deserved to be in the 15 to 23 range last year. But boy, did they have an influx of talent, not just from the trades, but they had a very strong draft as well. So for me, the guy that I'm most excited about uh, is Caleb Killian for two reasons. One, uh, he's closest to making an impact to the major leagues. I could see him, if things go well, uh, sliding into the Cubs rotation uh, in the second half this year and, and doing quite well. He had really had a breakout with the Giants as an eighth round pick prior to the trade. Uh, his cutter improved, his fastball velocity improved. He always had plus plus command. Um, and he didn't lose his command when he added velocity and, and was able to tweak the cutter. Um, and then after joining the Cubs, they have been teaching, um, a lot of their pitching prospects, a spike curve or a knuckle curve. Um, it doesn't knuckle like a knuckleball at all. It's just the way you hold it uh, with your knuckle uh, sticking up. So, and, and it takes a while to get to that, but to, to really perfect it. But boy, did, did he in uh, the Arizona Fall League. And you could see the curveball coming up. The velocity ticked up even a little bit more. Uh, and so this was a sustained improvement from uh, the beginning of this year when he was still with the Giants all the way through. He kept getting better after joining the Cubs. And I think he's going to be uh, a very solid major league starter uh, for for quite a while and, and, and a steal for the Cubs in that Chris Bryant trade. So here we are talking about how the Cubs kind of rebuilt their system in uh, essentially a year. You traded away your major leaguers. Greg's sitting over there saying, hold my beer. We've been rebuilding for yeah. eight years. Uh, how do you feel, Greg, about the Cubs um, and their the fact that they, you know, won a World Series just a handful of years ago, and now here they are rebuilding and then doing it at a very fast rate? It's aggravating, isn't it? <laughs> Listen, I, I have been a, a, a hater of the Cubs almost as long as I've been a fan of the Pirates, so to, to see them sort of take a page out of the pirates book and, and who knows, well, I guess the, the proof will be, you know, shown in, a, in the next few years, but take a page out of the pirates book and, and do it better. So I'm hopeful that that's not what happens, but looking at these names on, on, on Kevin's list uh, suggests that, that maybe I have something to worry about. Greg, uh, the pirates organization is uh, where the Cubs organization hopes to be. Uh, in a year or two. So, uh, you know, I, it, it is arguable to have four tier one prospects right on your list. Um, and the Cubs do have some guys with the possibility of, of bumping up. Christian Hernandez is a long ways away. He's probably going to stay at tier two for a while. Uh, but Kevin Alcantara has the type of ceiling that he, he could reach a tier one. Owen Casey, James Triantos, Reginald Preciado, each of those guys could could become a tier one type prospect by next year or the year after that. Totally uh, agree. But you guys are already there, and and the Pirates have oh, the ability to add too more. Nice. This is so, so nice. Well, well, look, Greg. Um, here's here's the part that you're not gonna like. 
Um, You'll be able to sign them. Right. (laughs) As a Cubs fan, we don't really care about the Pirates. Uh, You haven't been a threat for a long time. That's better. Um, And and Cubs fans love their team. And, you know, if you guys are a thorn in our sides, then then we'll pay attention and hate you. So we don't have a lot of love for the Cardinals. The Brewers of late have have uh, drawn our wrath. But, uh, you know, the the Pittsburgh Pirates lately have sort of been the the Delaware of the United States. It's (laughs) like you kind of forget that they're there. Let's just, I just all I just agree. went to Delaware two weeks ago. I know where it is. <laughs> Let's agree since David's not here that we can all hate on the Brewers together. Yes. Let's not forget the Cardinals, too. Let's give yeah, them okay. their, their I'll throw them in there. Nobody. The only people that like Cardinals are the Cardinal fans. Pretty much. They've the been National too good EA. too long, and they always have pop-up prospects that yeah, are Yeah, for like, no reason. They're just randomly the good players. Round, and they're 27 years old. And then all of a sudden they become an all-star, and it's it's just disgusting. The voodoo magic. All right, let's let's wrap up the list here. Um, I've noticed you you know we've kind of gone into more of a a deep dive on some of these guys, so we're, we won't be able to hit per as many as we were able to with Greg. But I think that's good. I I have one last question here, and then I'll I'll leave the floor to you guys to give me your sleeper prospects that maybe we should take a look at in our dynasty leagues. But um, again, in that same theme that. If I was looking at this list last year, Braylon Marquez was probably at the top, if not number two. Um, and Ed Howard was, you know, the recently drafted new shiny toy. Um, and here they are at number 11 and number 14, respectively, and all the way down in tier three. So I'm interested to to know the fall from grace here. Um, clearly, you, you think there is some fall because, uh, you know, these are tier three. This is a gap. So, um, yeah. What happened to those two um, last year? Well, Marquez got a shoulder injury, and shoulder injuries are pretty scary. Like, they're unpredictable. Uh, with with an elbow, it seems like uh, teams know how to address that, and, and they we have a lot more experience having success coming back for something like that. But Marquez was uh, a mystery all year, and he never threw in a competitive professional game. Um, and, um, so we just don't know. It's a, it's a question mark thing. He's got the ability to jump right back up and into, you know, an upper tier two player by the end of the season. Um, but, uh, he, he had some, like when he was possibly tier one, I don't think he ever was, but it was because we had solid, uh, belief that he would be a starter of some kind. And now it looks more like he might be able to go two, three innings. And so that's going to that's going to dock you. And then we've got questions whether he's even going to see the field. And then we've got questions about can you throw it over the plate? Um, so we just need to see him and we need to see him consistently hit the field and 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 find out where he's at. So that's why he's tier three. And Ed Howard had a fall from grace because he struggled all year until the last 100 plate appearances. And uh, yes, there were questions about his bat. He was fresh out of high school, never saw the field in his draft year, then sat out during the 2020 loss season. So did that have something to do with his struggles at the beginning of the year? Uh, Maybe. Luckily, the stellar defense was still there. uh, And he hit pretty well 
359, 453 over the last 104 plate appearances. Uh, he's got a long ways to go as far as uh, pitch selection. Um, you know, but the athletic ability is there. He's got decent bat control, but I think right now pitch selection and being able to recognize uh, the movement on pitches is his biggest uh, challenge. And I, I expect uh, he, he'll probably repeat low A at the beginning of the season with the hopes of moving up to high A. But, but uh, that's, a, that's a close call. The this, this spring training will determine where he starts. Yeah, and that's a good segue to where I want to kind of end our podcast here today because Ed Howard, to me, is a perfect guy as a throw-in. Don't target him. Don't go to your... The, the guy who owns him in your dynasty league and say, I want to trade for Ed Howard, get your guy, you know, somebody else. Um, and then say, you know what, I'll do this. If you throw in Howard, because I, I bet you could get him for a lot cheaper than what um, it would have cost a year ago, or even, um, you know, uh, two, or I guess it was 2020. So yeah, about a year ago. So um, Greg, yes. As we end our podcast here, if I'm looking at my waiver wire in my dynasty leagues, that means let's say, I don't know the top, 250 top prospects overall in baseball are taken. Anybody around that or after is is free to pick up. Who should I be targeting? And you can go give me a couple names, if you like, um, from the Pittsburgh Pirates organization. The first player I would uh, tell you to go look at is number 35 on my list. His name is Chung Che Cheng. He's from Taiwan. He's a middle infielder, primarily shortstop. Played in the Florida Complex League last summer. Dominated. Uh, batted 311 on base, 449, slugged 492, four homers, 16 steals, and he only played 38 games. Uh, he, from the, from everybody I've spoken to, got to see him in the complex league. He was a man among boys. I'm looking forward to seeing him uh, this summer when he moves up to Low A in Bradenton. Um, and if he performs as well as he did in the complex league in Low A, uh, he, he'll be the name that everybody talks about. You just did that, so I'd scroll down and be reminded of Marcano and uh, Sawinski, huh? My Padres guys. Anyway, I missed those guys. We don't have time. Just one sentence. What do you think of Sawinski? I liked him a lot. Uh Uh-oh. I think we may have lost him. All right. We can edit that out. We'll go right to you, okay? So... uh... You're asking. Uh, well, I'll enter. I'll, I'll enter you in, and just, okay. give me a, just let me get a little silent so I know where to edit. Yep. Hopefully this is back. All right. Yeah. I mean, Sawinski, former Padres guy, just uh, you know, brings back some fond memories. All right, Kevin. Uh, same question for you. If I'm looking for somebody to just pick up. Um, a 30, I mean, he, Greg went all the way down to 35. Uh, that's deep. You don't have to necessarily go that deep or give you multiple names, but who should I be on the lookout that might be available in my waiver wire? Uh, well, he most certainly will be available. Uh, he was just taken in the third round, but uh, I'm incredibly high on him. Uh, number 19, Drew Gray, left-handed pitcher out of high school. Um, he just demolished the, the few guys that he faced, uh, in, in the rookie league. Uh, he was essentially untouchable and looked fantastic. There's another guy who's coming back from injury, uh, Cole Franklin. Uh, I would definitely uh, see if I could snag him at 24. I think those two guys are well off the radar. 
uh, and they could be uh, much higher up on on lists uh, come next year or even the middle of this year. But uh, some other names, you know, Alexander Canario, people might know about him, but he had sort of an off season last year and his numbers were much better in previous years. Kevin Made is just a step below Ed Howard. If maybe you don't like Howard and, and still want to take a chance on on a teenage shortstop prospect, Kevin Made would be good. And uh, if you need saves, Ben Leeper. I think he's a future closer. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, closer okay. prospect. That's a that's a nice nugget there at the at the end. I like it. Um I, I, I scrolled down, of, of course, to check those guys that you mentioned, and then uh, I saw number 22, Anderson Espinosa. So we got you there. <laughs> uh, we got you there. Kevin, uh, I was going to ask you about Burl Caraway at 26. Yeah, just a tremendous fallback in command. We're not even talking about control, but, I mean, uh, he's, he's all over the map right now. And that was something that he didn't uh, have a problem with the Dallas Baptist. Uh, so the Cubs are frantically <laughs> trying to fix him. Uh, but if they do find his release point and, um, and he gets in a groove, uh, that's another guy that uh, could be a, a, a high leverage reliever, certainly a possible closer. Yeah. But he's a long ways away from that. The theme here, gentlemen, is simply that these are two of the better systems, and there's a lot of names on here that it just don't seem to get the publicity. I think one is that the Pirates are just, you know, uh, no offense, but they're the Pirates, right? I mean, David would say this much worse right now if he were on the podcast, but uh, I think that people see the Pirates and they, they underrate a lot of those prospects. And Kevin, not so much that people are underrating the Cubs, but they haven't. Uh, seen these guys in the Cubs system. They're coming from all over. They may not have, um, you know, known who a, a Caleb Killian was or followed uh, Preciado's rise from, uh, you know, very uh, unknown uh, IFL locations. So uh, these are just great gold mines to to get some of these prospects coming on. So guys, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, just quickly, 30 seconds, each of you, Kevin, where, uh, what are you working on now? Where can we find you on Twitter? All that good stuff. Plug yourself. Uh, you can find me at, at cubsprospector.com. That's a uh, prospector as in gold. So, uh, O R at the end of that. And, um, I'm uh, working on an article about, uh, players, uh, that might not be very high on the list, but are prepared to contribute next season that we'll see major league time. Uh, so for you fantasy guys out there, uh, that are skimming the waiver wire for people that will actually be playing next season, that's the article you'll want to look for. Love it. Appreciate it, Kevin. And Greg, what are you working on? Where can we find you on Twitter? On Twitter, I am at buckfish67. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, I'm actually moving from South Florida to, uh, Central Florida, the Lakeland area, where I'll be closer to a lot of the, uh, spring training and, and low A minor league cities including Bradenton. And uh, that's where my, that's what my next article is going to be about what the Marauders lineup looks like uh, in for the coming season. And, and uh, those players that probably have some real fantasy appeal, uh, including uh, Sung Che Chang. That's a name that I'm going to have to learn how to say better. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, guys, really appreciate it. And uh, that's going to do it for us here today. As we finish up the NL central we are getting through uh, 
some of the leagues here as we have uh, two down and four more to go. So keep tuning in. We're going to try to turn these out on a weekly basis and get you all set before hopefully the start of the season. I, 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 I'm just going to keep assuming that we will have baseball, but alas, you'll, you'll never know. But uh, this was Futures Focus. I am Alex Sanchez. This was a broadcast brought to you by Prospects 1500. Keep checking the site every day for those new top 50 lists. We'll talk to you soon. Take care.